Last night, our church had the privilege of going Christmas caroling at a retirement home. It was such a fun experience, but it reminded me of a story. We were almost ready to go Christmas caroling. Our little inner city church had this Christmas tradition where we would go Christmas caroling through the halls of a retirement home and visited the shut-ins. We were dressed in our festive Christmas best. I was three, my sister was five, and my brother was eight, and he was the one who was supposed to be keeping an eye on us while my parents got ready. I was lying on the floor of our living room, listening to some Christmas music while our parents got the last few items ready to go. When all of a sudden, bang! All I remembered was seeing stars before I almost blacked out from the searing pain. My sister had accidentally pushed one of the giant solid wood stereo speakers off the entertainment center and it hit me in the back of the head. Oh man, immediately the blood just started pouring out and I screamed. My dad rushed me to the local urgent care while my mom took my brother and sister to go Christmas caroling. Dad and I missed all of the caroling, but we still made it to church in time for all of the snacks afterwards. Three-year-old me was still pretty upset with the whole situation when Dale, one of my parents' friends, asked me if I got stitches. And with big emotions, I said, no, the doctor sewed it with string. <laughs> it's funny now, but it's such a perfect example of how Christmas rarely goes according to plans. There often seems to be more chaos than cheer. Christmas is one of those times of the year that seems to always set us up for false expectations. Just like a false prophet, we get our hopes up thinking that this is going to be the year. It's going to be different. Jeremiah 6.14 talks about false prophets who say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Nobody likes a false prophet. And Christmas might as well just start with chaos. Where are the silent nights and the peace on earth that Hallmark promised us in our Christmas fantasies? Yet we have this longing in our hearts for things to be different. All of us can identify with this in some way, shape, or form. We're stressed out in the Christmas line trying to get that one last gift or caught in that extra Christmas traffic just to see the Christmas lights. Or maybe we're working out and everyone's trying to figure out everyone's schedules, food plans, and travel details, and it's just driving us up a wall. We have this love-hate relationship with Christmas. You know, if we're really honest, like we, we love Christmas, but there are so many things that just stress us out. You see, Christmas, uh, it's, it's not all of the things, but it's, it's, it's all of the things that we add to Christmas. It's not Christmas itself. It's, it's just, for whatever reason, like Christmas goes from this simple thing to this chaotic thing in the blink of an eye. And we've all been there. You know, it's, it's standing in lines to events that we aren't even sure that we wanted to go to, but we feel like we have to at least make an appearance. Not to mention all of the little things that we include in our expectations that just never seem to go according to plan. I know that some of you are there right now. 
Some of you haven't even started your Christmas shopping. I know I have a ton to do. But regardless, we are already feeling the pressure. And it's all the little things that get in under our skin. The stress and the, uh, and the pressure for things to be perfect, to be different this year, and yet they never seem to be just quite right, right? Sometimes it helps us to just, to just name it. It's not supposed to be this way. And we have this feeling, this longing for things to be different. And Christmas is supposed to be the happiest time of the year. It's supposed to be full of peace and love and joy, giving, Christmas and food. You see, even our best ideas start out good and always end with food, right? <laughs> it's supposed to be simple and it's supposed to be about family. And yet, even things with family aren't always the way that we wish that they would be either. You know, like what are the things that we need to name in our life? Who are the people that are missing? Or what is the relationship that didn't turn out the way that we wanted it to? Or what are all of those little things that are, that are lost or we're, we're losing track of? Or the little things that are getting in under our skin? Where am I compensating or trying to fix something that is just simply broken? The truth is, so often it's not the thing, it's the thing underneath the thing, right? There's always something more going on under the surface, if we're honest. I'm stressed out, and so the, the checking out line is simply revealing what's going on with my underlying frustrations and anger and lack of inner peace. In the story of Advent, there was a voice of one crying out in the wilderness saying, this is dumb. This is crazy making, and it's making all of us insane. And this voice is saying, repent, which is, just means let's do something completely different. Let's change things up. Let's, instead let's, of, of simply rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, let's make some big changes in order to get different results. And let's start in here. You see, there was someone who was speaking the truth, someone who was preparing the way. And that's what God wants to show us through his word this morning. Because the Prince of Peace was getting ready to come into the world. In John chapter 1, we, we hear this poetic reminder of the very first Christmas. And so, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along there. But it, it's John chapter 1, in verse 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it jumps down to verse 4. It says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Skipping down to verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. 
this is the poetic story of the first Christmas. That, that, that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, was coming into the world that we might have life full of grace and truth, that there might be peace and that it might start within us. But that first Christmas, uh, when, when Christ was born, was an absolute mess. It was anything but peace. Jesus was born into chaos, right? In between the Old and the New Testament, there were 400 years of prophetic silence, meaning that, that people weren't hearing from God. Can you imagine how hard that would have been for there to be just silence? And, and for that silence to lead to all of this chaos and turmoil. And Israel was a mess. And there was political oppression and there was a military occupation from Rome. And with all of this chaos going on outside, there was even more going on personally for one young couple. Mary's pregnancy was a scandal. I am sure that they just wanted to just keep it all quiet. More than likely, she was a teen or at least a really young and scared mom. And I'm sure there were rumors about the story that she told about how she got pregnant. Then King Herod issues this decree ordering a census requiring everyone to go to their hometown to register. Mary and Joseph had to be thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Can't we catch a break? Right? I mean, even a quiet room to have our baby. God, this was your idea? Then shouldn't you have had a better plan? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've thought that a few times. Surely the king of kings wouldn't be born in a manger, in the middle of a scandal, in the middle of a, a chaotic world. Then to make matters worse, the wise men come, but they accidentally notify King Herod who lets his insecurity get the best of him and orders the death of all baby boys, requiring Joseph and Mary to flee to Egypt. Jesus' entry into the world, or Jesus entered into the world that was surrounded by chaos. He gets it. He gets it when we struggle. But what does Jesus come to offer to us in the midst of all of this mess? Here comes Jesus offering peace. Later in his life, Jesus says these words recorded in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You see, the peace of Jesus is far different than the kind of peace that the world would have anticipated, one that, what the early Jewish leaders were looking for. You know, we expect the absence of trouble. That's what we think peace is. It's a fantasy world where we just float on the clouds and we eat our Christmas cookie, drinking wassail and making merry, right? Instead, Jesus offers a calm assurance in the midst of the life you know, the life we actually have, not the one that, that, that we wish that we had. And, and so what, is, what does this look like? This morning, I kind of want to dive in a little bit and look at the peace that Jesus offers us. Peace in life looks like three things. First, it starts off with peace with God. 
right? That we have to admit that we've all made mistakes. The more we try to, to, to do life on our own terms, the more I make a mess of things. Romans 8, 3, or Romans 3, 23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It looks different for all of us. For some, this is addiction and brokenness and dysfunction, like the younger brother in the story of the prodigal son. But for some of us, it's also self-righteousness or a bootstrap spirituality or an atheism that says, I can do this on my own. That's the older brother who's struggling with their relationship with God. But no matter which one of those that we are, right, we all need to reorient our relationship with God, right? We need to admit that, that, God, I have made a mess of this and that I need you. And then we need to believe that only God can save us. He created us and he knows us better than we know ourselves. Healing begins with admitting that we don't have all of the answers. Therefore, peace begins when we, we align ourselves with something bigger, something transcendent. It happens when we, we give up trying to, to win the war of life on our own terms and we give it to God. Peace begins with, with, with God. or Peace with God happens when, when we finally confess, God, I need you and I give my life into your hands. It's not a complex theological prayer, but a practical one. For it is, is when I start saying yes to God and to his ways and, and that my life is forever changed. God, God, just, just help me, just come in and like help me just surrender and just start saying yes to you. The more I do life according to my own terms, I get angry at that person in the checkout line. I get, you know, I, I'm tempted to tell that person who cut me off that they're number one right? Right? Like when I do life according to my own terms, I just keep slowly like that teapot ratcheting up and up and up. And it's only when I begin to give things over to God that he allows me to begin to find peace because I begin to let things go and I follow him and his way of life. You see, Jesus says in John chapter 15, that just like a grapevine cannot live detached from its roots, it's only when we connect to God that we truly thrive, that we truly become human, that we truly become who God intended us to be when he created us. John chapter 15, verses four to five says this, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, the summary of this is the first step is, is peace with God. It's, it's learning to say yes to him. Our second step to peace is learning to have peace with ourselves. But in order to do that, we need to, 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 to stop lying to ourselves, right? Stop living in denial. 
You know, when, when we, when, when I uh, am at peace with ourselves, then uh, I'm, I'm able to, to truly see who I am. But when I don't, I, I resort to comparing myself to others in order to feel better about myself. And comparison kills. And it's time to, to stop trying to, to keep up with the Joneses because the Joneses, the Joneses are broke, right? Our world just is always like maxing out credit cards. And when we're comparing ourselves to other people, right, we're only going to get it wrong. Or when I'm comparing myself to the, to the fake world of Instagram, I'm only going to drive myself further and further into a mess. I need to learn to be okay with me. Recovery reminds us that wherever you go, there you are, right? Right. I need to, I need to stop running from my problems and I need to start learning to like get peace with God and allow God to begin to do a deep work on my own heart. That I need to own my brokenness and my character defects, right? We are only as sick as our secrets. And the thing, the, the, the truth is that I said earlier, it's, you see, it's the thing is not the thing. It's the thing underneath the thing. And I, I get that that's just like a little saying. So let me tell you a story that happened to us this past week, right? So Catherine is a high energy child and she needed to run off some energy. And now that it's getting dark by the time that we get off work, it's hard to find a park for her to play in. So we went to McDonald's to their indoor uh, playground. And Jen and I were enjoying a little peace and quiet with all of the other parents who had this like blank stare uh, of a parent who feels held hostage by the endless energy of a toddler. And all of us were just kind of like trying to have an adult conversation for just a few moments while Catherine was having a blast running around and making new friends. Suddenly, the quiet was interrupted, not by the squeals of delight, but by this rage-filled yelling of an adult who was completely out of control. Like instantly, our, our heads snapped to the side trying to figure out what was going on. There was this man who was just, who had just burst through the door and he was losing his mind. You know that energy where you can just feel your blood begin to like get nervous? And he was demanding that, that someone step outside to settle it like a man. I, we were getting really nervous. This man was out of control. Finally, he stormed out and we thought, oh, Okay, things are gonna end. No, no, I looked out the corner of the window and I see he goes out and changes out of his flip-flops into shoes so that he could get ready to fight. And he was storming back in. And, and just as he was getting ready, I was already beginning to prep Jen and, and looking for the exits and where were we going to go and who was gonna grab Catherine and grab what just in case this man had a gun. I, I've, I've I never heard a, a, a single voice coming from the kitchen. It was quiet. It was all one-sided, but this man was losing his mind. Eventually, the manager stepped out from behind the counter and asked the man to step outside. And this woman, she did a great job of diffusing the situation. I, I, it took a while of just slowly, slowly talking to the man. Later, I heard the man's wife talking to the manager and getting a free McFlurry. 
Wait, what? All of that was over a McFlurry? Really? Like, I mean, I, it's not worth getting in a fight and getting arrested over a McFlurry. I mean, it's not like it was even a Dairy Queen blizzard, right? <laughs> I mean, what? I was dumbfounded. Like, how do you lose your mind over a McFlurry, right? But it's not the thing. It's the thing underneath the thing, right? If we don't deal with our issues, our issues are going to bleed all over everyone that we come in contact with. I felt so bad for that manager. She did a phenomenal job, but like, until we deal with our hurts, we will forever be in bondage to our character faults and to our defects and to our wounds. And the only way that this thing is going to change is when we have a change of heart and we see our new identity, where we begin to get at peace with God and God begins to do a deep work within us and we have a change of identity. We started off in John chapter one and further on in that verse, it says this in verse chapter nine through 13, it says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become, catch this, children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. I love these verses because it, it, it talks about this change of heart. It's a change of identity where we get to become children of God. We need to know who we are. And our identity needs to be settled in that so that we can be secure as children of God so that we can be at peace. You see, getting right with God allows us to stand in front of the mirror naked. And to, and to be confident in who we are without beating ourselves up or without hiding because we don't like what we see. But when that proverbial mirror stands in front of us, we're able to begin to see our character defects for who they are and then begin to confess them to God and say, God, would you help me to begin to work on this? When we are at peace with God, it allows us to stop hiding and to be honest and to bring our hurts and our brokenness before him and to allow God to begin to transform us and heal us from the inside out. When we are at peace, it is then and only then that we can begin to own our strengths and to begin to walk in a new way. You see, finally, finally, we talked about peace is three things. It's, it's getting right with God. It's getting right with ourselves. And finally, when we have peace with God and with ourselves, it is then and only then that, that we can have peace with others. For, for when this, this in here is at peace, it frees us to treat others well. 
It frees us from, from wearing masks and allows us to be generous, thoughtful, and curious, and loving towards others. You see, how we treat others, it really matters, right? You can either be like the guy who's screaming and losing his mind over a McFlurry, or as Jesus says in John or in Matthew 10, 42, anyone who gives even a cup of hot cocoa, well, scripture actually says cold water, but hey, it's Christmas, right? Even a cup of hot cocoa in my name, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Jesus is saying, you know, whether it's a cup of cold water or whatever it is, whatever you do in my name, where you're putting others before yourselves, right? that we will not lose our reward, that God sees it, that, like, that that will be rewarded even in, in that relationship or whatever. But when we are at peace with ourselves, we can offer ourselves and we can begin to be a safe place, a generous place to others in this Christmas season. And God is asking us, will you be a safe place for someone this Christmas? You know, there are people who are hurting all around us. Are we gonna be a safe place, a loving place, a generous place where we're gonna allow God to flow through us because we're at peace, right? How we treat others matters. How we treat, or how they treat us reveals their heart, not who we are, right? But regardless of how they treat us, let us stand firm on our convictions. Let us stand firm and live out our identity as children of God and love as God would have us to love. That we would learn to be Jesus with skin on to the person in front of us, to the person that cuts us off, to the person who's really having a hard Christmas, right? But when we're at peace, we're able to be generous, right? This is the stuff that is hard to live out. This is the stuff of where the rubber meets the road at Christmas time. But this is the stuff where it really gets good. And so this morning I was thinking about like, how can I give maybe three quick pieces of, of biblical advice on peace and relationships this Christmas season? And so here were just three couple of things that I thought of um, that I want to challenge us and help us to think about. And first is this, and that is prayer. Philippians 4, 6-7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so prayer is our first key to reminding our hearts of who we are and where our help comes from. Of God, I don't have enough for this situation, whatever it is. God, before I walk through the door of my family's house for a family, Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever the, the holiday is that's coming, even at Easter time, we can still pray this same prayer, but specifically right here at Christmas, God, before I step through that door, would you give me the peace that transcends all understanding to help me be a beacon of peace in my family this holiday season? God, would you help me as I go Christmas shopping and somebody's probably gonna cut me off or maybe take that last toy. God, would you give me peace in how I interact with people? God, as we wrap up the last few days of work and things are stressful because everybody's trying to just finish their project, 
and get out the door. God, would you give me peace with my coworkers this holiday season? It starts with prayer, right? And before we lose our before we lose our peace, right? Let's take that thing or that person to prayer, right? It's so easy for me to, to, to slide into gossip or to like tell somebody else off or whatever, but God, help me to be in prayer about the things that are making me crazy. Second, peace is not the absence of conflict, right? Jesus came into a world of chaos and conflict. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's knowing that on the other side of this big wave, Jesus is still walking on water. That was one of the quotes that my mom had hanging in our house, and it was, and it was more than just a cliche. It was a constant reminder that Jesus is with me this Christmas, that Jesus is with you this Christmas. And, and what if Christmas is really just Spanish, right? for Christmas, meaning I need more Christ this Christmas, right? Right? What if we need more of Christ so, so that in the midst of the store, in the midst of the slowdown, in the midst like of everything that's going on, that I would just calm down and keep trusting that God is at work in this situation, even though I don't see what is going on. God, that on the other side of this crisis, on the other side of this chaos, and the other side of whatever, God, would you give me the strength to just have a transcendent peace, not like a worldly peace, but something that just helps me to take a breath and to trust that, God, that you are working in people's lives in ways that I don't even see, that they may be in real struggle, in real pain, and, that, and that, that I would begin to pray for that guy who's losing his mind over a McFlurry because maybe there's something that's going on in his heart where his heart is shattering. Or maybe there's a brokenness and he really needs a kind word. I don't know what it is, but it's a recognition that I don't need to control the situation, right? But to just keep taking a step of obedience and keeping our eye on Jesus as we step out of the boat and trust him in whatever it is that's in front of us this Christmas season. Step number three is that when chaos is actually at full conflict, right? When things are full, right? Peace is reminding us of the principles that Jesus gave us in Matthew 18 to go directly to that person, right? The holidays are especially a time where it's so easy to gossip and to say, hey, mom, did you hear about so-and-so? Or, hey, so-and-so, you know, and right? We begin to like share all of the family drama or the this or the that or the other thing. And Matthew 18 reminds us to resist that urge. And if you have a conflict, go directly to that person and to sort it out. And I realize that this is really countercultural to our world today, but it is so key. And even if it doesn't work, then to go find somebody else to go with you or to help mitigate, and be, but to begin to work at the root rather than just out here at the leaves, right? That we would deal with the source of the thing. Because so often the thing is not the thing. But Matthew 18 is saying, it's saying the thing is not the thing. Let's go to the root. 
Let's go to the core. Let's go to that thing that's really hurting. Let's go directly to that person and see if there isn't an alternative way to sort this out. So my challenge to us today is this Christmas, let's make room for Christ. Let's surrender to him so that we would allow God to begin to bring us his peace, that, that we would learn to bring salvation to this house and peace here. Let there be peace on earth and let that peace begin with me. Let's, let's allow him to use us then to bring a little sliver of Christmas spirit to the chaos of the situations that we find ourselves in. That's my challenge to us today. First and foremost, will we surrender and allow God to bring peace to us, that we would be at peace with God, with ourselves, and with others this Christmas. That it may be an amazing Christmas where we allow God to do th simple and small things that it would begin to transform the entire meaning and power of Christmas that it really would be a Christmas where you experience peace in all of its forms in your life. Well, as I close this morning, let me, let me close with one more quick Catherine story. I know I've told a couple of Catherine stories, but I think this one's kind of a fun one. You see, Catherine's young and, and we've been working on building core memories for her, core things that will kind of anchor her. And so, Every night before she goes to bed, we, we say a prayer over her. And then after that prayer, I always say to her, I want you to know that, that Dada loves you, Mama loves you, that Big Brother loves you, and Jesus loves you. And then sometimes I'll reinforce that, that core memory that I'm trying to embed into her life. And, and then I'll ask, Catherine, who loves you? And she'll say, Dada, Mama. Catherine, big brother, and Jesus. And I love that she adds Catherine in there, that, that she knows that, that Catherine loves her. I, I don't know where she incorporated that, and I don't know what all that means, but we've been doing that. And then the other day, I began to like, she's just developing the sense of self of who people are. And so then I was beginning to ask her of, Catherine, what's my name? And she said, Dada. And I pointed at Jen and I said, what's mama's name? Or what's her name? And she said, Mama. And then I said, what's mama's other name? And she thought for a, a while and she said, Jen. And I said, what's dad's other name? And she thought for a while and she said, Jesus. We all just started laughing. It was really cute. Unfortunately, Jen laughed a little too hard and I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> but the truth is that that is our goal, right? That, that, that people would begin to see us as Jesus. And I get that this is a cute little example, but, but, but that, that's our goal, that people would begin to see Jesus in us. That we would begin to be Jesus with skin on. Because Jesus is a really hard concept for little kids. And it doesn't get easier as we get older. It's really hard sometimes to identify with a God that we can't always smell, touch, taste, or, or, or just really like grasp with our five senses, right? That can be hard for kids and it can be hard for us as adults. And so it's really important that for us as Christians, 
other people, when they see us, we may be the only Jesus they ever see. And so this is our challenge, that, that we get to be, just like to Catherine, we get to be Jesus to somebody, right? And so as we close today, I, I challenge each and every one of us that we would begin to sort out the conflict and the things that are going on in our life. Because if we aren't at peace, if we aren't able to sort out peace with God and with ourselves, then it's gonna be really hard to be at peace with others. We're gonna bleed all over everyone else. But if we start with confessing that, that I'm not perfect and then just inviting Jesus in, then we get a chance to bring the peace of Christ into each and every situation that we are in this Christmas that we get to be Jesus with skin on to someone. So as we wrap up, let me just close and say a prayer. And I just invite you that as I pray, that you would open your hands and just invite the gift of Jesus into our lives and into our heart this Christmas season, where we get to receive the peace of Christ into our hearts. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you today. God, and we confess that, that life is so often chaotic, especially here at Christmas, that our world is full of brokenness and sin and dysfunction and just stress. And so God, we just pray that you would help us to set all of that aside, that we would begin to encounter you stepping into our hearts. And God, that we would surrender our lives to you saying, God, I need you. Would you come into my life? Would you make me a child of you, a child of God? Would you help me to receive your grace and your forgiveness and your peace this Christmas? And then would you help me to be that to every person that I meet? God, I wanna receive you afresh and anew this Christmas. And may this be a true Christmas of peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that you have a wonderful and great Christmas season. May you walk in the fullness and the grace and the peace of Christ today and the rest of this week. Be blessed. See you soon. Love you guys. Bye.